You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now, to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Dylan Terriman and Alex Barallo. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Jet Nation Radio. This is your host, Alex Barallo, joined with Dylan Terriman. Dylan, how are we doing tonight, bud? Doing well. We're about 30 hours into this free agency tampering period, whatever you call it. And I feel like I haven't turned off Twitter for more than five minutes. I think my wife's starting to get a little mad at me. (laughs) Agreed, man. Uh, Every time I see an update and I've got all the bells and whistles with all the the guys on the beat on the Jets side and then the national guys and uh, my phone is constantly updating with notifications and, uh, yeah, it, it seems like I have some sort of uh, phone addiction the last 48 hours. But, uh, you know, this is why they call it the free agent frenzy. And uh, that's tonight's uh, topic, or I'm sorry, uh, the header for the show. And uh, tonight we're going to get into a lot of different things. Um, we're going to talk about some of the players that uh, were brought back from last year. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the new players that were signed yesterday. We're going to get into... Uh, a couple players that were uh, signed just within the last few hours. And uh, who knows, while we're on the air, I wouldn't doubt it if the Jets uh, make another move here. And then lastly, what we're going to get into is we're going to talk a little bit about who's still out there that the Jets should go target and how um, are these current moves already uh, changing our draft day and and what we're going to do come April. So, uh, this is kind of the roller coaster ride that is, you know, um, the March Madness era because it is March Madness week and, you know, it starts with the NFL and then it goes to hoops. But for us Jets fans, uh, you know, this is what we, we live and breathe for. So uh, before I get too far ahead of myself, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Mile Social. Uh, if you do not know who Mile Social is and you're a business owner trying to improve your social media status, please go to milesocial.com and see what they could do for your business. You can see, find them at M-I-L-E-S-O-C-I-A-L.com. That's milesocial.com. All right, Mr. Dillon, let's jump right into this. And we're going to start with topic number one, uh, who did we bring back? Uh, do you want to go through the list real quick of the players that, that came back that were here last year? Yeah, I can do that. Uh, first off, I guess I'll try to go as chronologically as possible. Uh, they re-signed offensive tackle Connor McDermott, which I somehow left out of this um, rundown here. And then they re-signed fullback Nick Bowden. The terms weren't officially released yet, but it was a one-year deal. And then a couple of days before the tampering period started, uh, they re-signed Will Parks, and LaMarcus Joyner, both safeties, both, I believe, to one-year deals. So I believe it's just the five of them, four of them for now. Yep. And then just recently uh, they brought back Braxton Berrios yesterday and Tevin Coleman as well. So some familiar names and faces uh, that have come back. Right off the bat, Dylan, um, 
out of the this small list of players, um, which one are you most intrigued to to seeing on Sunday? Uh, I definitely have to say Braxton Berrios, who I don't know how I got out of order and forgot him and Coleman there, but Braxton Berrios is definitely the guy that I have to circle as the best uh, bring back just based off value. Um, as free agency kicked off, his his price tag was rumored to be around like $8 million per year. And I remember putting it into mm-hmm. the group chat. I don't know if I put it out on Twitter like publicly or not, but I was like, I think the Jets should be out at eight $8 million per year. I thought that was a little too high for – who's projected to be a wide receiver four plus special teams upside. Uh, so they end up getting him on a two year, $12 million deal for what is essentially 6 million per, but it's 7 million guaranteed. Uh, and he only has a cap hit of 3.7 million uh, in 2022. So that's relatively cheap and potentially an out. I put a, a reaction to the contract details on Twitter and I said, it's essentially a, one-year $6.5 million deal with a minimal cap hit, and if they feel as though he doesn't play up to his all-pro potential or isn't as reliable as he was for Zach Wilson moving forward, I feel like they can just cut the contract at a one-year deal and save roughly $8 million moving into 2023. So ultimately, I think he is the best pickup, although I can't complain with any of them. I like Tevin Coleman a lot. I felt like some more meat left on the bone with him as far as just his running style and what he was bringing as a returner when Braxton Berrios wasn't in. I thought Kevin Coleman was pretty, you know, like not like a spark plug kind of on, on kickoff. So I thought those two were definitely the, the best free agent signing re-signings so far. Right on, right on. Yeah, for me, I think what I'm most intrigued to see is LaMarcus Joyner uh, only getting a glimpse from, you know, training camp and kind of seeing him work with Marcus Bay and, you know, be one of the uh, back-end coordinators, you know, calling out some shots, stuff like that with, uh, with Marcus and figuring out the secondary defense. Um, there's a lot going on with Robert Sala's defense, and, and guys have to be on the same page before the ball snapped. So uh, we, we didn't get to see him last year, and I'm definitely intrigued to see, you know, what he's going to bring to the table this year. Uh, Berrios, you know, as you said, we were – seeing rumors that he was expecting a lot higher contract. I think it's a fair deal. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not excited to see him as our number three or our number, you know, a four slash five, a gadget player in the offense, a return guy, a locker room guy, uh, you know, somebody that uh, you put the ball in his hands and he can make something happen. So uh, definitely like the, Bra- the Braxton Barrio signing. I'd have to say I'm still on the same wavelength on how I feel about Tevin Coleman. I remember last year I got chewed out on Twitter mm-hmm. for not being too excited about him. Uh, I, I do kind of feel more of the same. I, I do get um, the understanding of bringing him back, his familiarity with the San Francisco scheme and, and being um, with LaFleur, you know, back in California a couple of years ago. And last year he showed flashes here or there. You know, I just kind of felt like there was just a lot of room to be desired with him. Uh, since that 2018 season, which was his best year, um, he's just progressed slowly over and over again. And, uh, you know, last year was in and out of the lineup, um, injured a few times, and, uh, you know, only started five games. In the games that he was available, he was useful. But, uh, you know, last year my concern was is that the Jets were not going to be targeting a running back um, 
in a, in a serious manner for the for this offense. And then they went and they got Michael Carter. So I'm not going to, you know, I've learned from my past and realized that he's just a guy. He's part of the rotation um, in a pinch. You know, he can help you out in certain scenarios. But um, the Kevin Coleman signing should not stop the Jets from going into the draft and grabbing another young running mate to pair up with Michael Carter. Um, you know, you and I have talked at length about, you know, certain guys that I'd love to see the Jets go after. And uh, we got plenty of time to talk about that stuff. But uh, Coleman does not, uh, you know, scare me or concern me from the Jets making a move come April when the draft rolls around. So uh, I like all these signings. Um, you know, McDermott, I'm, I'm glad that you brought him in. You know, he wasn't on my list. So, you know, that's why you and I work together well. Um, you know, he came in in a pinch last year. He could play both sides, left and right tackle. Um, not somebody that you want to see every Sunday, but, uh, you know, somebody mm-hmm. that can come in and, you know, keep keep the line honest, more or less. So, uh, not right. too bad, you know, uh, I think what I said before is Joe Douglas is taking this process slow and steady. Uh, do you have a thought, Dylan? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think uh... – he might be competing with Uzama for uh, tight end one, but maybe tight end two. We'll see with McDermott. But um, I'm really glad that you did mention oh, yeah. not necessarily your dis- dislike for Kevin Coleman, but the need for another one. And I had right there in my notes, right under the signing of Kevin Coleman, right after his contract details, I said, still need another free agent addition, in quotes, power back, and then potentially a- another draft addition as well to really round out that running back group. So I'm glad that you – did mention that part about Kevin Coleman. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, you know, still a lot of work to do. They still got uh, – you know, just because they've grabbed a couple of players here and there, by no means uh, should they be content or, you know, happy with what they have so far. you got to continue to bring in guys and, and continue to try to build each position as much as you possibly can. And uh, as we get into um, – our third topic of the night, which will be more focused on today's signings, we're going to first talk. Uh, excuse me, first talk about yesterday, and there was a theme yesterday um, on how we started out, and we focused all on offensive players. It seems like yes, so uh, very interesting. Uh, two new players were brought in. Uh, these are two starters: uh, Lakin Tomlinson, Pro Bowl guard from San Francisco. Seems like we're plucking a lot off that tree uh, with our head coach and our offensive coordinator coming from that regime. And then tight end C.J. Uzama, I have to say. Uzama was a name that I saw. I just didn't think that, you know, he would be on the Jets' radar at all. Um, You know, here I am looking at players like O.J. Howard and Eric Ebron, uh, you know, probably more familiar names in the NFL. Jets go, you know, flying under the radar, and uh, they grab an actually pretty decent guy. And, you know, let's be honest, with the way that the tight end position is, there's like three to four guys that are considered elite in the league, and then everybody else is kind of just kind of in in the middle of the pack, per se. Uh, you don't really see too many tight ends going over that 700-yard threshold with, you know, six to ten touchdowns you know, like the Kelseys or the Wallers or, you know, all those other um, premier tight ends that are in the league, and there's only a handful of them. So uh, I think that, you know, when you're looking at the tight end uh, free agent list, uh, Uzama's near the, near the 
top of the second tier um, in the league. So that's really not a bad signing. I like what he brings to the table as far as uh, a run blocker. And last year, just under 500 yards, 49 receptions, 493 yards receiving, and five touchdowns. So clearly um, he's somebody that can be utilized in the red zone, and uh, we definitely need improvements to protecting Zach and, you know, improving our running game. And I think that we get all of those factors with our new tight end here. What are your thoughts on the, on yesterday's signings, Dylan? Well, I'm really glad that you mentioned top of tier two signings because I had a little blurb before I got into the new signings just about Joe Douglas's approach in general because I feel like coming into the process, there was a lot of smoke underlying about Joe Douglas's um, seat and how warm it could be entering this offseason if he didn't turn it around quickly for the Jets. And just by the way he's operating, I don't think he's operating as if his job is on the line. Obviously, I know there has to be a sense of urgency, and I think there is that. But just looking at it, he's held firm on contracts. Like, he didn't go out and pay, like, a Scherf or a Brandon, or Marcus Williams, rather, even though that was something that everybody wanted, including myself. But, like, we can be more understanding of it now due to price and what we got out of Whitehead and et cetera. But I just think that the moves that he's made aren't just drastic splash moves. And if he was feeling that he, he could have went out and, you know, recklessly traded for Amari Cooper or paid top dollar for like a sure for a Williams, but he's not doing that. So I'm glad that you said tier two, but top of tier two free agents, because that's exactly what these guys are. <clears throat> but Uzama specifically, uh, three years, 24 million, 8 million a year, which ranks 13th amongst tight ends currently with their contract situation. I'm sure that's going to change as more uh, tight ends get signed, but 13th is a really good uh, position for him as a tight end one. You mentioned it, all his stats, those are career highs, and they're basically on par with everything that a Jets tight end did last year combined. So you take the entire Jets tight end room and you throw it into one player as far as production and, that's C.J. Uzama, and <clears throat> I really thought that the Jets weren't going to be in on him after he got hurt in the championship game. Uh, he came back and played in the Super Bowl, I believe. I think, yeah, he did. He threw his knee brace off at the, the podium and did the whole thing. Like, I'm playing no matter what. So, you know, he's definitely a praise leader. Chris Collinsworth put out a tweet, you know, praising his leadership. Um, his toughness has been praised. Ron Middleton at the Senior Bowl. I, I believe he brought him up without even, you know, being asked about him he just brought him up out of the blue as somebody that he had seen at the senior bowl prior and now like he's playing in the super bowl so it's somebody that he has already praised as his toughness and you really can't find a bad word out there about him on twitter Bengals fans seem to really they're they're in their feelings that they lost him quite frankly and that's a good sign for Jets fans that joe douglas is able to pluck away like captain quality players from other teams and other successful teams. Nonetheless, like we're taking players from the Niners and the Bengals and the Bucks and the Seahawks. Like those are traditionally, you know, successful teams and the Jets being able to pluck them away is, is huge. So Uzama's up there for me as a top get, even though he doesn't come along with the name that everybody had penciled in coming into the free agency. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing that, um, is pretty interesting about his contract is he was given a three-year deal for $24 million at the age of 29. Uh, now, normally, you know, players that start to hit uh, that 30-year mark uh, show a little bit signs mm-hmm. of regression. So 
Uh, I'm just curious, it, it, are we buying in at the right time? Like, you know, if we were investing into a stock, which more or less we, we kind of are here, uh, you know, did we buy in at the right time? And are we going to see the max potential um, from the, this player here uh, for the next three years? Now, I don't, we don't know the contract details, if there's an opt-out. Um, I didn't see mm-hmm. any guaranteed money. I can try to look that up real quick. But um, I guess that's like if I had, you know, one little quib to throw into this, uh, this mix here with the signing, I'm just very, very curious on um, the, uh, the age of the player and the amount of money. And I don't see any breakdown. Yeah, I don't see any, uh, on any it potential right now. outs. I don't see any more details. Right. I was just going to say, as soon as more details come out, I'm sure there'll be more clarity on that. But, yeah, I hope that this isn't a situation where we're paying him top dollar into his year 31 season and he's on the down end Mm -hmm. of his career at that point. I hope that Joe Douglas was smart enough to put him out after this year or potentially next year in the contract. So that's definitely a a good way to have. and, And hopefully Joe Douglas just, you know, covered his butt on that one. Right on, right on. And, you know, very much the way I feel about, um, you know, the Tevin Coleman situation, how he doesn't factor in the Jets' future plans, definitely feel like, uh, you know, bringing in uh, CJ here at tight end position will not, you know, play a factor into us um, pulling the trigger in April for another one because that's what I'm really hoping that they do now, Um, you know. We've got one good candidate in the tight end room. Now let's see if we can, you know, stack those chips and, and bring in, you know, possibly another. I don't know what's going on with, uh, you know, Trayvon Wesco and what his future will hold with this team. He's kind of been struggling the last couple of years uh, with a couple of different coordinators and head coaches. And, uh, you know, last year he was in and out of the lineup. Things looked good for him early on. But then as the season progressed, he kind of was seeing less and less role, uh, of a role with the offense. Then when, you know, he got banged up, um, he was pretty much gone. And then it was like the entire tight end room just got plagued, and it was one injury after another, and the Jets were, like, forced to give him more time um, up until he got injured again. So, uh, you know, this is one signing here. I would not be surprised if the Jets bring in another two more just for camp bodies and things like that. You know, some people may forget we do have a young Kenny Yabo out there, uh, which I'm kind of hoping uh, becomes a factor into this offense as well. You know, you bring in somebody in April, Yaboa, you got CJ. There's possibilities that the tight end group is completely, uh, you know, turned around from, from last year to this year. So uh, thus far, I'm content, but I have to say, Joe Douglas going out and getting a Pro Bowl caliber guard for the offensive line was one of the biggest key factors for me because our guard position, the interior guard position, was a weakness, specifically the right guard, ABT, we all love him. Um, But you took our weakest spot and you potentially made it our probably our our best player now uh, on that offensive line. Um, You know, George Fan had a great year last year, and I'm not trying to discredit what he's doing, but the body of work that Tomlinson has had, uh, you know, holds more weight, in my opinion, um, than anyone else on that offensive line. So our weakest spot just became one of our strengths, and I think that's the right 
uh, approach when you're trying to, you know, fix everything that was wrong with this roster last year. So uh, I definitely love that. Um, people are now throwing their hands up in the air. What are we going to do about offensive line come toward the draft? Uh, I think it would be a little bit of uh, trouble to figure out, you know, who's going to go where if they bring in another offensive tackle with Neil or, or Icky at, uh, at pick four. So very well could be that, you know, the Jets are content with the tackles that they have. And, and at this point, they may just bring in some depth guys. Um, you know, LDT from last year, um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind bringing him in. Why? You know, he, he looked good when he came yep. in for a pinch. And, and we know that, you know, at any point in time, players can go down and another guy's got to step up. I'd absolutely bring him back too and, and continue to, you know, turn your weakness into a strength. So uh, very, very content with uh, our first day. And, uh, you know, the theme was offense. And, uh, you know, that was one of the factors. The Jets offense struggled heavily in the, in the first half for majority, probably three quarters of the season. Um, and we didn't see some life until the back end of the season. So uh, this is a, a good way to start, uh, you know, from uh, trying to get ourselves out of the basement here. So mm-hmm. uh, good recap on, on day one there. This was an offensive theme. Uh, today they got some uh, some pen to paper for Braxton Berrios. Um, I saw that uh, post before, so he's officially inked in. Uh, I guess there's a difference from new players. They, they have to sign tomorrow, I think, after 4 o'clock. But anybody that was on the team mm-hmm. last year can yep. sign earlier. So that's probably the factor here. Uh, so we've gotten a couple players to ink, which is good. And... Uh, you know, hoping that everybody that we've come to terms with, because uh, understand legal tampering, the Jets have the ability to, you know, open up the conversation, make offers, and come to verbal agreements with players. Um, nothing is set in stone until uh, until tomorrow after 4 p.m. So let's jump into our next topic here, Dylan. Um, this is uh, what the Jets have done today. And, uh, yeah, they went to the defensive side of the ball here, and they brought in two defensive backs. Uh, one, The first one was uh, D.J. Reed, cornerback from Seattle. And then the next player was Jordan Whitehead, safety from Tampa Bay. Uh, Dylan, your thoughts on the new defensive backs joining our defense today? Sure, I'll start with uh, D.J. Reed. He was the first to sign uh, the former Seattle Seahawks cornerback, Gets a three-year deal, $33 million. Uh, he was a former fifth-round pick of the 49ers in 2018, so he does have solid crossover there. He played for two seasons in San Francisco before moving on to Seattle. He turns 26 in November, so still a very relatively young prospect who at the end of his deal will be 28 and considerably in the prime of his career trajectory. So another, you know, quintessential Joe Douglas signing, getting somebody before they they break out and and hit their true potential. Uh, He's 5'9", 194, so he's a little bit undersized for an outside corner. But I think he is a day one starter. I wonder which one, uh, Brandon Eccles or Bryce Hall, will have to sit the bench, unfortunately, with this move. My guess is they're going to make it a true competition. certain podcasts I've heard throughout the off season with beat reporters, et cetera, saying that Bryce Hall 
isn't necessarily loved as much as, you know, the fans and Twitter like to think. The coaching staff is still not entirely, um, you know, sold on him as a true number one corner. I know he had 16 pass deflections we talked about before going live, and I think that Mm – it's not so much the past deflections, but the interceptions, the turnovers. You, you got to get them up. You, you have to be a threat. If you're going to be a number one corner, you have to be a threat to turn the ball over. You can't be targeted enough times to have 16 pass deflections because that means that they're not afraid to throw to you, quite frankly, if they're testing you that often. So DJ Reed will come in, hopefully be the cornerback one. Last year he had 69 solo tackles, which was tied for the third most amongst cornerbacks, according to PFF. He has four career interceptions and fumble recoveries, so decent ball production. Um, again, he's not, you know, a name player like a Gilmore, like everybody was, was preaching for this mm-hmm. morning after the slow mm-hmm. start. But he has history in the scheme, four years of it. He's a young up-and-coming talent on a reasonable deal. So I can't, you know, necessarily hate that, that signing. And then the second one was Jordan Whitehead, uh, two years, $14 million for the former Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Rich Samini first reported it, and then Josina Anderson confirmed it with the with the numbers. So roughly seven and a quarter each year, which if you look at the total value of this deal and then what Marcus Williams is getting in year one in Baltimore, you can see why Joe Douglas was clear, clearly out on Marcus Williams and pivoted to Jordan Whitehead. And we've also since learned that they're probably not completely shutting the door on Marcus May. So if they're able to get Marcus May back, it's another huge addition to the fold. But Whitehead's a fourth-round pick out of Tampa Bay, 25 years old. So, again, sticking with the theme of young up-and-coming players. His birthday is actually mm-hmm. this Friday. So, congrats on a new okay. deal and happy early birthday. Uh, 5'10", 198. Again, a little bit smaller, but for a safety that plays downhill as a, as a strong safety. And I have a tweet here for Trevor Sycamore that I'll pull up uh, in a second. But, his stats last year, 73 tackles, two interceptions, eight pass defense, uh, deflected, which is great for a strong safety, um, or somebody who's labeled as a strong safety, I should say. One forced fumble, five tackles per loss. And he had a PFF run defense grade of 81.5, which was also top 10. Uh, five career interceptions, 25 pass deflections, uh, over three start, three years of starting in Tampa Bay. So, He's been a, a productive starter. He's obviously a former uh, NFL Super Bowl champion with the Buccaneers of two years ago. But the tweet here from Trevor Sikama, who's a, a Bucks fan, says Jets are getting a really nice downhill safety who will lay every part of his being on the line for tackles and run fits, has a top 10 run defense grade, 85 point, or 81.5 among all safeties last season. Good signing for them after missing out on Marcus Williams. So hopefully it's a little bit of optimism for those that are, you know, still not taking that breath of relief yet that we didn't sign Marcus Williams and we got Jordan Whitehead. So two two great additions to the secondary, and I think uh, the Jets fans will be happy midseason when these guys aren't getting burnt consistently or taking bad run angles uh, to the running back. Good good breakdown right there and. Um, I think what's interesting, um, and I was just doing a little bit of comparison notes to Hall and, and DJ Reed while you were going through uh, your takes right there, and Bryce Hall, 79 total tackles last year. Reed had 78. Uh, 
the pass deflection, 16, as you mentioned, for Bryce Hall, 10 for DJ Reed. Uh, now, clearly, you know, you look at the, the frame, bigger corner in Bryce Hall, smaller corner in Reed, that, you know, raises an eyebrow there that he's a smaller, undersized guy, um, does not necessarily mean that, uh, you know, he can't play the position. We've seen undersized players perform larger than expected. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this guy clearly uh, was remembered when, uh, you know, Sala and company were in San Francisco. So there's that connection there. They brought them him in for a reason. Things didn't work out, clearly. Um, finds himself with Seattle. Uh, been in and out of the lineup the last couple of years. Um, you know, from what I saw, he started in 14 games last year. There's an inactive and, and two um, – two games in which he did not participate. I don't know if those were injury-related. I didn't have enough time to dig deep into that. Uh, but more or less, you've got a pretty solid guy that put up comparable numbers to Bryce Hall, who played in all 17 games last year, and Reed was pretty comparable playing in three games less. So, uh, you know, I know uh, Rich Samini had put out that um, this is a solid number two, uh, for the Jets. Some people believe that this is going to be our number one. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure. Either guys are a number one true consensus. I think Bryce Hall needs to put together another season similar to this one, maybe add a couple picks, um, and then repeat one more time before we can solidify anything into uh, lockdown kind, kind of top conversations or uh, elite or, you know, pure number one uh, starting quarter thing cornerback, things like that. I understand we as Jet fans, we put on our green goggles and, you know, we magnify players maybe a little bit too much. So, you know, for me at the moment, I think that there's still a lot more that, that Bryce Hall needs to show us to earn uh, that label. But I'm definitely happy with right now um, where he's at. Um, you know, as I've mentioned, when, when with my eyes being on a camp, um, probably the most locked-in structured guy is Bryce Hall. Um, he is all business when it comes to, to practice time, you know. Um, not saying that, you know, he's not a social guy or anything like that. He just understands that that's time to work. It's not play time. And, you know, that's what he does. So uh, I like the fact that, you know, like you mentioned, we're bringing in guys right around that, that prime window, 25, 26 years old, um, not too long in the tooth, um, you know, approaching the near 30s kind of like what we did in the past with, you know, players like Tremaine Johnson. Uh, we paid for somebody way, way beyond their prime, and we just saw pretty much their digression. So uh, Joe Douglas trying to capitalize on, uh, you know, the peak windows of these particular players, DJ Reed coming off of a career year. Um, so he clearly, he and, uh, you know, company over in Florham Park, uh, the upside with DJ Reed. So uh, wasn't a guy I was expecting. And um, if anybody saw my tweet about me changing my, my format and outline, probably did about five times today. Uh, but we were going to be talking about some other players that were out there that the Jets should go target. One of them, Desmond King, he's gone. Artie Burns, one of those 25-year-old players I was talking about. Can't see the Jets making a move for him. I had Kevin King on my list. Can't see that either. Um, the only thing I could possibly see is maybe some low-tier signings for camp and then possibly somebody coming uh, through the draft at the cornerback position. 
Um, that's kind of how I project that position group going moving forward. Uh, but at the moment, mm-hmm. we shall see if, if Joe Douglas made the right moves um, with DJ Reed here. Going to briefly talk uh, about some things that I noticed when I was doing some research on him. Uh, his PFF rating was the 78.6. His average passer rating allowed per game was 86.5. Um, you know, 24 starts in 55 games, 22 in the last 32 games with Seattle. The season that he missed in 2019 was a torn labrum in his shoulder. Um, and as I had already mentioned, um, he missed three games last year. So I don't know if you put injury prone on that guy or whatever, but um, Jets seem to think that they're capitalizing on a player that's reaching his, his prime. So uh, we got to believe in Joe Douglas and, and the moves that he does because that's all we got. <laughs> Moving on to Jordan Whitehead. Um, saw this today um, from one of the best fans in Jet. Um, in Jets universe, uh, Connie uh, confirmed, and I think I also saw maybe Rich Samidi put this out there as well, uh, that Jordan Whitehead is the cousin of Darrell Revis, a very, very familiar name for us Jets fans. Um, he was very young when he was uh, seeing Revis go through uh, his draft uh, selection, and I believe he might have been one of those many people inside the Revis household. Um, so very, very cool to uh, see a former family member coming into uh, the Jets organization here. One thing that, that intrigues me with the with all these moves, Dylan, is the amount of safeties that have come in within the recent days. I mean, this was a position that we had no idea what we were going to be looking at. I know we had talked about, but not in depth, maybe the Jets kicked the tires on LaMarcus Joyner because he missed last year and they were really, you know, um, you know, they were high on, on him coming into this defense and doing good things. So uh, that clearly did happen. They bring in uh, Phil Williams, uh, who was with the team at the end of last year, played pretty decent down the stretch. I think he put out a tweet that he was in the top 10 of all safeties in the league for like the last month of the league or something like that. Um, so selective stats, but good stats. Uh, you know, you got Ashton Davis back there. We got Elijah Riley back there. Um, now we bring in Joyner and we bring in, uh, Whitehead. It seems like a pretty crowded room at this point. Um, but if you were to put it down on paper right now, it would really look like LaMarcus Joyner and Jordan Whitehead are our top two guys to start for starting defense. And uh, I don't know if you feel warm and cozy with that um, or if you feel that the Jets possibly need to uh, continue to bring in talent at that position group. But it's interesting how we went from not a whole lot of guys and now it seems like we've got an abundance. So uh, how, do you, how do you, just real quick, how do you feel about the safety room right now? Yeah, it's, it's weird because you think they're just kind of, throwing anything at the wall until it sticks at this point because, I mean, truthfully, I've been saying it on Twitter, the safety position is very important in this defense. And I think we saw the ramifications of that during and after the Indianapolis Colts game when Marcus May got hurt. He went down for the season, and we just had a revolving door of, you know, Elijah Riley, Jason Pinnock, uh, Nakua was in there for a little bit wearing number one as a safety. So, you know, we had just a, a rotation of bodies in there. So I think they're doing extra steps to, you know, prevent that from happening again. But I also think they're they're very risk-free deals, especially Joyner and Parks. 
uh, Whitehead seems like a relatively solid deal, and you know they could probably get out of it after one year if they really wanted to. And then you have the the top three rotational guys of Pinnock, Ashton Davis, and Elijah Riley, who they provide you something, but it, who knows exactly what it can be? I think we saw glimpses of it, especially Elijah Riley and his hard hits. Um, but we also saw the the downside of that and just the poor run angles and just getting burnt over the top constantly. And you need a veteran back there. So they at least got the veteran in Whitehead. Um, They might add more. Like I said earlier, Marcus May could still be in the fold, according to like Connor Hughes and a couple other reports. They haven't closed the door completely. So that would be a huge get. But yeah, LaMarcus Joyner and Jordan Whitehead as your penciled in starters right now still isn't an appetizing group to me, at least. I would like to at least attack one, one more free agent, even if it's not a Marcus May. It could be a lower tier guy. And then a, a probably a day two pick, like early, like probably pick 35 or 38, you go get a, a Dax Hill, Lewis Seen, uh, Brisker might be there, Petrie might be there. There's just plenty of safeties that you can get. So I think they're just going to try to do more than enough to make sure that that safety spot is just not a blaring need and a big hole that costs the Jets ball games in 2022. Yep. Good, good takes. Now, you know, I, I kind of, it, it, you try to sit here and you say, okay, our next topic is, is, you know, who should the Jets target? Um, you know, more or less who's still out there that maybe they should bring in. And it's really hard to decipher how much money is left on the table with, with some of these signings. Now, you know, you can't just copy and paste and it's not as cut as dry as you would think, you know, the Jets have the way to create bonus money and, 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 you know, put money up front that doesn't go against the cap. So it gives us a little bit more leverage when we're negotiating with other players. And we still have to have enough money to sign all of our rookies as well. And, uh, you know, Jets have, good Lord, you know, eight to 10 picks or something like that in this upcoming draft. So, you know, they're going slow and steady at this point. Um, you know, it, it, you might see a little bit of, uh, you know, lack of news within the next few days now, or, you know, if the Jets continue to go out, you know, spending money, then, um, you know, clearly when we get closer to April and we get closer to camp, there might be some some savings that are had with players that are currently on the roster right now because there are a couple that could save the Jets a lot of money that they could go out and offer mm-hmm. to other bodies. So, um, you know, it's hard to say who they should go for because – we don't really know how much money they have left, but we're going to go with a you know, philosophy of the Jets have enough money to make an offer to anybody that they truly like. So uh, let's move to our next topic here, and it's who should the Jets target in free agency moving forward. So let's just recap. They brought in a fullback. They brought in a backup tackle in um, McDermott. They brought in Berrios, who's a depth guy for our wide receiver group. Also, our um, first-string returner in punts and kicks, uh, Tevin Coleman, probably the number two, possibly the number three man in the rotation for the running backs, Lamarcus Joyner, starting safety. Now you got Lakeland Tomlinson, starting guard, T.J. Uzama, starting tight end. And now we've got two more starters in D.J. Reed and Jordan Whitehead. So a total of five starters um, 
the Jets have figured out within the last few days. And uh, that's progress, and that, that's really, really good here. So what other positions are left that the Jets should probably look at? My mind right here, wide receiver comes to mind, uh, backup quarterback, um, possibly kicking the tires on another running back, a power back, like you said, uh, linebacker, and then the infamous edge position. So it's around five positions right there that are still left on the table that the Jets should go for. Dylan, who do you have on your radar as of right now that you think the Jets should go out and target? Before I give a a list of players, I just want to touch back on the cap situation thing because I found a tweet from Ralph Vacchiano from SNY. And granted, this is before the two secondary signings that happened today in Reed and Whitehead, but he said that there is potential that after the first two signings of Uzama and Lakin Tomlinson and the two re-signings of Berrios and Coleman, and obviously the prior re-signings on minimal deals, that the Jets barely probably touched half of their $49 million in cap space. So we can operate under the assumption that they still have 15 to $20 million in cap space even after the DB moves, and that's on a high end. So I think they've done a good job with their cap so far. But in terms of just names in general, um, I, I have pretty big names here, but these are names that we've seen get released over the last 48 hours or just big names that are still out there that I think could be difference makers. Um, edge position right there. You mentioned it. Zadarius Smith, he got released from the Packers, and he's my guy. The Jets swung and missed that year when him and Preston Smith went in free agency to the Packers, and now I think they have their chance to right that ship. The Ravens have interest in him, so I hope that they don't lose another top free agent candidate to the Ravens, but he also played in Baltimore before, so a reunion would make sense. But he's my number one guy. He's been my number one guy. I said the Jets should cancel all free agent plans and back the truck up to Zedarius' house. Um, Number two is Tyron Matthew, um, kind of a pivot after Marcus Williams, but still a guy that we'd both be elated to have, I think. I think most Jets fans would be. Um, He's a little bit older, but apparently some people think he's on the decline, and that's the reason why he hasn't been signed. Maybe his market is dwindling a little bit. The Jets can potentially get him on a a smaller deal if that keeps happening. Uh, Bobby Wagner, he's another guy for me, um, released from Seattle. Rumors are that he and Russell Wilson are in cahoots to get him over to Denver, which I think would be smart. But if not, I think Bobby Wagner coming back to pair with Rob Sala would be great. Another linebacker to pair back up with Rob Sala, who was released, I think, earlier this morning out of Jacksonville. And that's Miles Jack, younger prospect, but one that they can't afford to pay after they signed Foyer Aluakon, who I also thought the Jets would be in on. So he, those are my top four. And I also have just a couple of names I'll just run through. Bozeman at center from Baltimore. Treader, the center from Cleveland, who was just released. Max Williams, a good blocking tight end. I think they should try to re-sign Morgan Moses at this point. We don't know what Fant is, or Becton is, excuse me, so we got to get a tackle in there, at least on paper, for support. Uh, Corderell Patterson, he, he's not a power back, but he brings the juice in the backfield. Ooh, and I like, I like that, what man. he can do. And uh, a sneaky one that I heard floating around in Twitter spaces from Luger Duzable, and that's 49ers Arden Key, who's a defensive lineman. So handful of names still left mm. out there. I've been trying to update my list as 
frequently and often as possible to not miss anybody. But these are all pretty big names that I think the Jets should should be in on at least to some capacity. Right. And, um, you know, a lot of my list I wasn't able to update because, you know, the Jets uh, were pretty quiet for most of the day. And then once I printed this mm-hmm. stuff out and emailed you, um, you know, my outline here, uh, you know, Joe Douglas goes out there, makes some moves, and, you know, scraps my whole uh, situation here. So, you know, with the rumors of, you know, Honey Badger, Tyrone Matthew coming here, um, can't foresee that now um, with Joyner and Whitehead coming into the fold. Uh, you know, I was thinking maybe a Terrell Edmonds or a Keanu Neal. Keanu Neal was somebody that the Jets were uh, looking at last year in free agency and uh, didn't know if they wanted to bring somebody in to maybe pair up with uh, C.J. Mosley. Uh, you know, we're looking for more athleticism at that linebacker slash safety kind of role. And uh, Neil definitely brings that hybrid, um, you know, play to your defense. And then lastly, with Bill Peppers, at this point, I can't foresee the Jets going after any of these players, uh, possibly maybe looking at the draft to build some depth for long-term, you know, long-term uh, you know, stability. Uh, so I, I don't think the Jets will be dipping their toes into the safety market um, that much more. But you did bring up um, something that I did see earlier, too, is that uh, there is still a slight chance that the Jets bring back Marcus May. I don't know how that works with what we've got, you know, in-house right now. But uh, don't rule that out just right as of yet until we see some more news break on, on Marcus May's situation. I don't think so, but, you know, food for thought there. Uh, linebacker is another position that uh, I have a feeling that they might be able to go for. I've talked about Kazir White last week. I still have him on my radar. Quan Alexander, um, mm-hmm. familiar with this defense, uh, you know, right, right around 27 years old, you know, a little bit over that prime window, but I still think that there's uh, some gas left in the tank there. And then an intriguing player that was released today was Miles Jack from Jacksonville. Now, Miles Jack, um, you know, I think he stepped away uh, for a short term um, just for his own personal reasons. And, uh, but mm-hmm. I think the talent is absolutely there. Uh, you know, I, I took a look at, at his numbers. Um, you know, you're talking about a player that's compiled – you know, 513 tackles, you know, not a guy that creates a lot of stacks as far as, uh, you know, giving you that pass rushing element, only six and a half. But, uh, you know, you look at everything else, he's got three interceptions, um, 23 stuffs behind the line of scrimmage, 15 pass deflections. So he is a guy that can go out in space and and, and cover, do some things as well, Uh, you know, play sideline to sideline still very, very young at 26 years old, uh, you know, not really sure what kind of contract he's looking for and, and what the full story is when he decided to, you know, take a break uh, from the game for a short while. But uh, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like uh, if the Jets wanted to get a young player that could eventually replace C.J. Mosley, maybe you might want to, you know, look to fill that void this year um, because right now we love C.J. Mosley, but the older that he gets and the higher his numbers get at $17 million to $18 million a year, 
for a linebacker position, um, I can definitely foresee Joe Douglas looking to part ways with him when the opportunity presents itself. So uh, just a player, you know, that I wanted to throw in the mix there that maybe the Jets might be looking at. Um, corner I already mentioned um, earlier in the show. Uh, don't think anything's going to be coming. Um, any more signings are going to be coming from the cornerback position. I think possibly the draft is probably where we get, um, you know, somebody that actually holds weight to conversation. Camp bodies, for sure. Definitely going to bring in some camp bodies. Uh, but at the moment right now, I don't see the Jets allocating an ample amount of free agent money into the cornerback position anymore. You know, three years, $33 million for DJ Reed, not exactly, you know, money that you would allocate for a uh, air-quoting number one cornerback, but uh, possibly a number two guy. So who's to say um, at this point? And then lastly, the wide receiver position, that's definitely something that I think the Jets need to, to work on next. Uh, for mm-hmm. Zach Wilson. Uh, most rumored guy is Allen Robinson. I don't think he's going to come cheap at all. So don't know if the Jets are going to be willing to put that much money into wide receiver, possibly. Um, last year, Juju Smith-Schuster was somebody that was rumored that the Jets were interested in. He's a free agent again. He did get injured last year. Had a, you know a lot of mixed opinions with Juju. I personally, you know, am a fan of his, you know, from his days back at USC. Um, You know, I've been watching him on social media. The guy's working out like crazy every single day. He is a little bit of a character. He's got a jovial um, personality. Some people like it. Some people don't. Um, That's just a personal opinion. But I do think that with the type of offense we're creating, a big body physical receiver that, you know, dominates from the slot position – Clearly, you know, with Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Braxton Berrios, I think he would fit this group quite well. And then lastly, another guy in that 25-year-old window, James Washington, um, another Pittsburgh Steeler here. Uh, I've always kind of been intrigued with him since his college days. Kind of like one of those wide receivers that uh, is built in like kind of like a running back's body. Uh, I could definitely see him being used on, like, jet sweeps and, um, you know, a lot of screen plays. And he's a physical guy, one of those guys you get mm-hmm. a ball in his belly, and he can make something happen. I think he would probably be more realistic out of the three players that I mentioned. And I also think that he would come at a much better deal, too. Uh, maybe one of those, you know, Joe Douglas specials one year, four or five million dollars, you know, show me, show me something, and maybe you get another contract next year. So uh, at this point, uh, I think – what were the positions you you said edge, right? Um, yeah, I had edge. I had uh, safety just for Tyron Matthew, linebacker, mm-hmm. center, uh, tight end, and running back. Got it. So, yeah, still focusing a little bit on the offense, a couple defensive spots to fill out here. Uh, you know, Jets put in two critical positions today on the defense. Um, pass rusher is always the, you know, the biggest need according to media pundits and, and the fan base. So, um, you know, who's to say if they're going to sit tight and see how the draft falls or if they, you know, want to get it done within the next week or so. Uh, so this is what makes, uh, you know, the free agency period so exciting. All right. So 
flying through the show here. We're almost near that one-hour mark, Dylan. we got time on the clock, so we could take our time here if we need. Uh, but we are going into – this is uh, basically what I got written up here is our last topic of the night. So um, let's take our time and think about this one here. We've acquired about five starters within the last few days, a um, few offense, a couple defense. And now with all these changes, we were talking about some players, um, Glenn, you and I, on our uh, internal chat, and we were saying, now what are the Jets going to do at four? What are they going to do at 10? Are they going to go for the safety Kyle Hamilton? Are they going to go for Ahmad Gardner, a.k.a. Sauce, one of the top corners, maybe a freak of nature? Um, People say that uh, this is the next coming of Antonio Cromartie. So how do you think that the last two days have altered what the Jets are going to do in April. Um, do you think Kyle Hamilton or Sauce Gardner are still in play for the Jets at four or at ten? Yeah, so I teased offline before we, we went live here, and I was saying that we should just scrap our whole uh, exercise from last week where we created a defensive first round and we both <laughs> ended up taking Sauce Gardner and Kyle Hamilton based off obviously today's moves you can, you know, take your hand off the button a little bit as far as those players. But ultimately, I, I can't shut the door on either of them as a prospect. And I hope the coaching staff doesn't either. Based off these moves, Sauce Gardner is completely different than DJ Reed, both from size, speed, everything perspective. I just think they're different players. And Kyle Hamilton, obviously, is different than Jordan Whitehead. Everything I said, he's a smaller downhill free safety or strong safety rather, whereas Kyle Hamilton has the range of a free safety, but can play the box too. So ultimately I hope they don't close the door on these two prospects Um, from a talent perspective. uh, We'll see if more moves come down in the secondary for help. Um, But I I personally push them a little bit further down my priority button, like priority list rather, but that's just because I feel like, like edge has been such a need for so long. Everybody's like screaming for it that like, I can't help but get on the wagon for it. Plus we know Joe Douglas has just the the biggest love for offensive linemen in general. So I kind of created a a top five of who I think should be the pick at four now, based off all these moves, like you said, adding five new starters into the fold. Um, So the first, my first one is for pick four, the top five, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, he's my number one player on the board, so I think he's a home run. Um, obviously, Aiden Hutchinson's not going to be on this list because I really think he's going to be the number one pick and just not going to has the less, least likely chance of being there at four. So KT is number one for me. Ike McQuanu still is two, really a 1B, the tackle from NC State. Evan Neal is number three, tackle from Alabama. And then four and five are Trevon Walker, edge from Georgia, and Jermaine Johnson, the edge from Florida State. So you can kind of see a theme there, trench players. I think Joe Douglas is going to have to take a swing one more time, offensive line and multiple times defensive line between now and the end of the draft. Um, Maybe he will prioritize it at four if he doesn't want to take a Hamilton or a Gardner. Um, So it's not my dream scenario of ham ham and soft like we talked about last week hasn't changed, but I think the priority and the preference list had to be tweaked a little bit, at least for number four. Number 10, obviously, if any of the top players are still there, 
you go get them, either end of the tackles or any of the three edge rushers. If they slip to 10, I think that's just, you know, you have to run the card up. Uh, but then I have Garrett Wilson at number two for the 10th pick, Kyle Hamilton at number three, Sauce Gardner at number four, and then Jamison Williams, number five. So I'm prioritizing wide receiver heavily at number 10 if we don't get a hammer sauce. So I think ultimately, like I said, you just can't close the door on them as prospects. They're just too good. They're both going to end up in my top 10, potentially top five if Sauce Gardner, you know, we'll see how his pro day goes. I don't think it'll really move the needle for me there, but they're both top six, seven players for me already. So don't close the door, but maybe just readjust and not pigeonhole yourself. Wow. Yeah. I mean, my mind just keeps changing as the as the time goes by here, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it has changed. It has changed dramatically, um, and it's going to change again. You know, within an hour or two, I keep looking at my notifications yep. here, trying to see if we missed anything, um, if we could break some news on the radio tonight. Um, we, we can not going to be the case. We we can break some non-news oh, yeah, while we're talking about the draft. Um, yeah, I yeah. did pencil this down. I forgot to say it earlier um, when I started that rant. Laramie Tunsil um, agreed to a restructure to stay in Houston for 2022. So I think that has huge implications on the top of the draft order. Obviously, they sit at three. If they move Watson, oh, they cool. could potentially have two top ten picks. So I can say not firmly but more comfortably now than I did when we started this podcast that uh, tackle might not be there their biggest need, I could see them prioritizing a different position, pushing Ike McQuanu down to number four. And if that's the case, I think he really puts Joe Douglas in a bind because you know how Joe Douglas loves his his front guys uh, on the offensive line. So it's going to be tough to see him choose between, you know, perhaps an Aquanu and Thibodeau, Johnson, Walker. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that clearly does, you know, factor for us because Houston's right ahead of us in the draft and uh, the fact that they're shoring up their offensive line and there's two really, really good ones to be had. Um, you know, the, the way that you can break this out is that they should either be going for an edge player or an offensive tackle. And uh, there's two good edge rushers and there's two really good offensive linemen there at the tackle positions. So it's about a 50, 50 shot that they can get either one. So um, Mm -hmm. that does change things here. And I did see something that, you know, um, they're also interested in Kyle Hamilton. So, you know, we're talking about Hamilton. And there is a possibility that he's not even there at pick four. So, uh, you know, I was saying this earlier is that I don't think – I wasn't saying this here with you, but uh, another conversation I had today is that I don't think it would be a very, very good plan for the Jets to go looking for core positions in the draft um, as starters right off the bat. I mean, bringing in depth guys or bringing in players that you can add to the fold is different than not making any free agent moves at the safety position and then just hoping and praying that Hamilton falls into your lap at four. Um, That would not be, you know, intelligent whatsoever. So the Jets still have the opportunity to go out and get that player if he is there at four, and if they are truly in love with him, I have no quarrel with them going ahead and doing that. Clearly, there's going to be collateral damage to one of these, um, you know, players that have been brought in within the last week or so, probably going to be a camp cut. 
but uh, it definitely does alter some things right now with the fact that Kyle Hamilton is like one of those defensive players. He's like the unicorn of the draft, and uh, you know he could be, you know, he could play linebacker, he could play free, he could play strong safety. Um, you know, very similar to the way Jamal Adams was deployed for the Jets a few years ago. So, uh, you know, people do say that, you know, from an athletic standpoint, they're different players, but they do kind of do a lot of the same similar things. Some people feel that Hamilton's a little bit cleaner of a player than Jamal Adams. I mean, I still think Jamal Adams is a very good player. I just know that the way things ended and where he went and everything like that, a lot of people are um, get a little sore when you bring up, um, you know, yeah. the prez. But, uh, you know, needless to say, I think, you know, he's still a solid player, and I think Hamilton could be a real solid player. What we're looking to do defensively, I don't see how, you know, Robert Sala would not want a player like that on our team, you know, running around like a man on fire, just blowing people up. Oof, that just gives me goosebumps thinking about it. So um, I do think things have changed, and I'm not sure. Um, you know, if we were to put, like, Vegas odds on this, like, you know, maybe he was like, uh, you know, a three to one chance. Now maybe it's more of a five or an eight to one chance. Um, but I right. think what concerns me even more is, is sauce Gardner situation. Um, you know, and here I am saying, I'm not going to allow free agent signing to affect me like Kevin Coleman, but I am feeling that way with corner right now. And, you know, um, sauce Gardner is my consensus guy that I want at number four. I, I want that, you know, freak of nature to go, next to Bryce Hall and just have two young stud corners for, you know, the next few years. And uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, good players like that don't usually slip and fall in the draft. And if the Jets think they can get cute and sit on a player and wait for that, that guy to be there at 10, I don't think that that's going to work out for them. Um, you know, you have more power to do what you want it for. And, uh, yeah, I'm concerned that, you know, maybe the DJ Reed situation and some other players that the Jets have in the mix here could absolutely alter, um, you know, what they've got going on. So uh, a little bit concerned, uh, you know, where they're going to go. And, and last week's scenario of the Jets, you know, preparing themselves for a defensive draft, not too sure now. Um, you know, mm-hmm. looking more like they could go for edge and then – you know, maybe a Devin Lloyd, a Ken, or a Kobe Dean, and, you know, you, you take care of the trenches, and then you get your second tier of your defense secured. And you've got a new uh, revamped, you know, secondary. Possibly the Jets have, you know, a much improved defense. Um, that is absolutely a possibility that could happen here. Uh, but, yeah, you know, as of today, with a, a few moves, I do think a lot of things have changed, and uh, they're going to continue to do so as the days go by and as more players get signed. Uh, but now maybe with them focusing a little bit more on the defensive side today and going after the two positions that we're speaking of for the draft, maybe they're balanced. Maybe they decide to go, you know, edge with that four pick and they're looking to bring in a top wide receiver, you know, a Garrett Wilson or a Drake London for Zach Wilson. It's a balanced way to, you know, get your team – rolling in the right direction Uh, because right now with the money that they have, if you're going to go out and get a player like Allen Robinson, he could absorb quite a, quite a substantial amount of your, your salary cap space right here in March. And then that makes your 
planning for the next five months before September rolls around, very difficult. So it could be much of an easier plan and a better financial plan for the Jets to say, we're not going to spend big money on free agent wide receivers this year. And we're going to go and look at the draft and maybe we come out with, you know, a first round pick at that number 10 spot. And then we look in the second or third round to double dip in the wide receiver market and give Zach Wilson a bunch of young wide receivers to move forward with. I think that plan could work too. So um, maybe, um, you know, my idea of having a defensive draft is, is altering right as we speak. So, um, you know, a lot, a lot of interesting things, uh, you know, with this whole scenario. Uh, you have a thought there, Dylan? Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned going edge at four and then potentially wide receiver at 10. It sparked me to uh, a Connor Hughes tweet that I saw around 5, 5.30 earlier, just before we went on the podcast, but after the DB signing, he said, based off the opening of free agency, I'd guess the first few picks, the first few draft, Jets draft picks, excuse me, play out like this. 1-4 uh, edge, 1-10 wide receiver, 235 interior defensive line. At 38, he has corner, O-line, or interior D-line. And then at 69, he has tight end. So I think that's starting to be the general, not maybe the general consensus more, but edge and wide receiver are now getting shifted up the board of needs. And I think people are, you know, taking notice that the Jets might actually be planning to take an edge rusher early. Maybe if Kyle Hamilton falls to 10, they they decide about that there. But then I think 10 opens the door for a, a wide receiver a trade down and still potentially get a wide receiver. So uh, just interesting that you put it that way because I, I saw him say edge and wide receiver as well. And then another tweet I just saw as I'm scrolling his feed is about the linebacker position. The Jets don't view linebacker in the same light as public. They're very, very happy with Quincy and Mosley. They don't view it as a need. Perceived issues at linebacker were because of interior defensive line issues. So, with Whoa. all that being said, I think I think another two position groups have now shifted in need, and they're going to focus more toward the middle of their defensive line as opposed to the middle of the second level of their defense. So, just interesting things there. Like you said, as probably by the time we sit down to record, we'll have four different uh, draft strategies for the Jets played out in our heads. And I think that's the good thing about it, though, at the end of the day, because we don't need a quarterback. So nobody on Twitter is really stressing and, and bickering back and forth about, oh, I like Fields, I like Wilson, I like Lance, I like – obviously everybody loves Trevor. But, you know, nobody's fighting about it. and Everybody's just right. relaxed. Everybody knows that there's so many options. Of course, all hell can break loose when your guy doesn't get picked at 4, 10, or 35 or whatever – but for now, I just think be flexible to all the possibilities that the Jets could have in the draft. They they did this to themselves in a good way. They made it so that they can have the monetary flexibility, the draft capital flexibility to do whatever they want. So 35, you know, interior defensive line, some people are like, oh, my gosh, we can't go down that road, a premium pick on a on a big guy on the D-line. But, but they really could. If they like a Perrion Winfrey or a Travis Jones, at 35, whew, oh, yeah, I'm all in for that. Those are my guys. So just I want Jets fans to be as open as possible because, you know, we're prone to hyping ourselves up and getting let down. And 
it's not all bad. It's just not all bad. <laughs> yep, yep, I'm with you on that one. And, uh, yeah, you know, you brought up a good point right there, um, maybe moving that number 10 pick, sliding down just before, you know, the mid-teens of the first round and acquiring maybe, you know, capital in the second or third round or maybe something for, you know, 2023 to go with it. Um yep you know, just to to start working on next year as well. And then you're looking at, you know, Drake London, Traylon Burks. You're looking at Jameson Williams. You're looking at Chris Olave. There's still a lot of of great talent to be at the wide receiver position coming at the draft. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And and it's just, you know, not everything is set in stone at this point. And uh, if you go and you take a look at all the different media pundits, I mean, not everybody has this wide receiver group the same. Some people, you know, are much higher on Drake London. Some people are, you know, feel that uh, he's just a big guy that did well against contested catches against, you know, average talent in college. And, and we've seen that before. And, you know, and then you look at Garrett Wilson and you say, well, this guy's a clean route runner and, you know, he can separate. He ran a four, two something 40. The speed is there. How can you not want a player like that on your offense? And, you know, Olave on tape looks faster than Garrett Wilson, but according to the combine results, you know, he's a 10th of a second slower than Wilson and, you know, Olave can take the top over the defense, you know, you blink an eye, you turn your head in the wrong direction, he's gone. And then, you know, you want to talk about a big body guy like Burks with, you know, a wingspan like an eagle. Um, you know, that that's clearly interesting. And, and then you, Jameson Williams, Alabama, you know, elite prospect, right? You know, mm-hmm. top, uh, we, you know, five-star athlete or whatever they call him over there and, and things like that. I mean, you know, Jets have options, and, and if there's a team that's hungry for a quarterback that's still at the board on, at, at pick 10 and, and they, you know, throw us a bundle, we know Joe Douglas is not, you know, uh, afraid to pull the trigger and, um, you know, take some action on, on draft day. You know, that, that can definitely be a possibility as well. So um, all this stuff is, is just really, really getting me uh, amped up here, and I'm excited and can't wait to see how this all plays out. You know, this is a big year for the Jets, uh, you know, with with the big trade that they made for Darnold and, and Jamal Adams, who were at one point in time foundation pieces of this, this organization. They're gone. We've got draft capital. We're going to be using that this year, and we're going to get a whole bunch of new faces for the future, and, and it's definitely very, very exciting. Uh Nope, that's not you sending me a message on Twitter. Uh, I went to go look at my notifications one more time just to see if we had anything else here. <laughs> Dylan, uh, I think we crushed it on this show. We're a little bit over the hour mark here. Um, any last thoughts or any any last uh, you know ideas in the mind that you want to share before we uh, call quits? No, it's another another great show. We're stacking them up. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to the draft. Um, as much as I wanted and I want the Jets to still continue to sign more players. Uh, I'm very glad that within the last hour plus they did not, so they didn't turn us into scrambled eggs and throw our, our show completely for a loop. Um, as we sign off, <laughs> there will probably be a signing that happens, and we'll have to figure out something. Maybe we'll do a show later in the week. My birthday is tomorrow, so I'll be out of commission at least one day this week. You can join up and do something later this week if we need an emergency pod, but 
definitely definitely glad yeah, yeah. where it's going and and happy that for now the tempers seem to be at ease and you know i was going to mention that and um you led right to it um for myself and everybody else at JetNation.com, Dylan, I hope you have a great birthday tomorrow. I don't know what's in store, um, but maybe the Jets give you one of the players on your wish list. Um, that would definitely be a very, very nice gift. But uh, whatever you got going on, man, happy birthday, and I hope you have a really, really good time tomorrow. Um, this is uh, all exciting things going down here. And, uh, you know, you're you're a little bit younger than I am, so, you know, you, you got, I hope you have some good plans for tomorrow. I don't know if uh, the business is taking you out for dinner or whatever it is, but I really do hope you have a good yeah, time. Yeah, we, we, we're going to go out to dinner later on this week. Uh, I had surgery on Friday. I had two wisdom teeth removed, and uh, I thought I was a tough Ooh. guy and opted for no anesthesia. Bad move. Uh, spend the extra money. Get the anesthesia. Um, they also tried to not give me pain pills. So luckily for my wife, she went back in and told them I was crying like a baby in the car, so I got some pain pills. So I've been very relaxed this past weekend. That probably helps with all this going on with the Jets. But, you know, this is the most talking I've done in a week. I feel good. So hopefully when we go out to the steakhouse Friday, I'll uh, I'll be able to eat fully. Okay. Well, yeah, I was about to say that, um, you know, maybe get something that's a little bit, you know, easier uh, on the chompers there. This way you're not uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, back on the table again. Because uh, uh, trust me, I know I've had plenty of uh, – my own dental uh, situation throughout the years. And I um, can't say I've, I haven't walked away uh, feeling warm and fuzzy about any of them. So uh, I definitely right. feel you there and hopefully everything goes well for that. But um, again, good show, everybody. Um, thank you for tuning in. Uh, please do not forget to like subscribe um, and give us a review uh, on our uh, podcast show. We'd love to hear what you guys think. Um, is there anything that maybe we're not doing that you guys would like to hear from us? Definitely would like to hear that. Um, you can find us on Blog Talk Radio. That's where we stream live. You can also find us on Amazon Music, um, Apple Music and Podcast. Uh, I believe we're also on the YouTube scene, Google Play. I think there's a Spreaker thing going on. Um, i got to get the list. I keep talking about getting this list together. I'm going to write that down right now so that next week – I can go through that and let everybody who wants to listen to our show either live or the next day can go ahead and do so and absolutely go to jetnation.com, check out the forums, nonstop conversation there. Um, And yeah, you know, it never stops there, never a dull moment on the forums. And uh, if you're looking for a good hearty debate, that's where you got to go, jetnation.com. All right, everybody. Thank you again. Um, this is Alex Rallo, Dylan Terriman signing off. Free agent frenzy is still in the works. And uh, hopefully Joe Douglas brings us in some more killer picks and some more guys uh, so that we can turn this thing around. So everybody have a good night. Thank you for tuning in. And let's go Jets. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.